Hi, and welcome back to the Be A Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. On today, we have a conversation with Paul Griffin, who is the founder and president of The Possibility Project. This is a great episode for those of you who work in the arts. The Possibility Project empowers young people to share their stories, transform their lives, and impact their communities. You're going to hear all about the work they do and how you might maybe draw from their example or team up with them to support them. Before we dig into the episode and our conversation with Paul Griffin, I want to remind you about one other podcast that might be perfect for checking out if you are just gearing up for an end of term break. The show Get Your Binge On is hosted and founded by Jessica Bolton. It's a great show to explore if you are thinking about your media diet. And for those of you who might teach the art and craft of the review, did you know that you can have your students reach out to Jessica to request that she does a review of a show or a film that they are reviewing? It might be really interesting to compare notes with somebody who reviews popular culture for their profession. You can learn more about Get Your Binge On by heading over to the show notes. And now, our conversation founder of The Possibility Project, Paul Griffin. Thanks again for listening. Hi, everyone. My name is Paul Griffin. I am the founder and president of The Possibility Project in New York City. Um, I have been leading The Possibility Project now for uh, 20 years. Um, my pronouns are uh, he, him. And uh, The Possibility Project is a nonprofit that um, brings together diverse groups of teenagers from all over the city. Um, and empowers them to transform all the negative forces in their lives and communities into positive action. So we really um, are at sort of at the intersection of personal and social change. And we use the performing arts as the vehicle for doing that. Um, and uh, our goal really is to develop this next generation of leaders for a more just and peaceful world. So what that means is, is that each group that we bring together goes through about a nine month creative process where they're learning to build relationships across difference, analyzing oppression, addressing the traumas they've experienced, um, engaging in community action, learning conflict resolution and leadership. And the way in which they learn all of that is by working together to write and then perform an original musical um, from the stories of their lives, focused on the most serious issues they face, uh, as well as their ideas for change. So they're building a theatrical roadmap, if you will, for um, creating change around the things that are most important to them. And then we perform that show for four nights off Broadway here in New York City. And then after their premiere of their show, they then do community action projects where uh, they pick an issue or issues that they care most deeply about. And they design projects where they can make an impact on that issue one day. And that's really more about agency than it is about impact. There's only so much you could do in a day. But it's um, it's giving our young people uh, the chance to, um, to exercise, as it will, their new understanding of how to create change offstage as well as on. Um, so we've been around for about, like I said, 20 years. We've done 46 original musicals, two podcasts, uh, one feature film by our foster care cast. Um, uh, we've also done one music video and all of our recorded media projects, literally every one of them has won awards sort of at every level. Um, a couple of things about the program that are important to note. One is, is that each, each 
group is led by a team of young people themselves called the production team. They act like producers for the project or more like a board of directors for a nonprofit. That team sort of um, establishes the vision, mission, and goals for the year. They uh, uh, monitor the adult artists. They hire and fire the yeah. artists. Uh, so they they actually bring the team of adults in to work with them. Um, and uh, they communicate, solve problems, all of that. And then the other thing is that no one's chosen on the basis of talent. So for us, the performing arts really is the vehicle by which we're enacting other other um, issues. So again, no one is chosen on the basis of talent. Uh, we're really looking for young people who need the opportunity, who um, add to the diversity of the group, and are willing to commit to working with their peers uh, to change the world. And uh, but really, where we make the biggest impact is in terms of social emotional learning, um, the development of our young people in terms of their social emotional competency and leadership. And if you had to say what does all this add up to what the young people in the possibility project after they've gone through the creative process and moved on, what they really gain is confidence, right? Um, in not only self-confidence, but also confidence in the future. And listeners, again, the link to the possibility project will be in the show notes. When I first stumbled upon it, um, you know, it was just, it's such an impressive nonprofit organization. I mean, kudos and congratulations to you and your team, Paul. What you were doing is remarkable. It's, it is it is such an impressive model. And I'd love to turn and talk about the seven specific outcomes that you have listed on the website. And again, listeners, the, the link will be there. Uh, one of which is to help young scholars understand how to engage with nonviolent conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. uh, could you speak to how the performing arts is a great avenue to drive engagement for that outcome? And perhaps just give us an example of what that looks like in practice. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about the theater, right? When you think about drama, uh, drama, it, it's funny, drama is a word for conflict, right? Oh, so much drama. And that's literally true because in the theater, you have a protagonist, and antagonist. There's a conflict, rising conflict and climate. And that, IMAX, that's basically sort of the form for Western tragedy, right? The form that we're all raised with. And so the theater has literally thousands of years of examining, writing about, and um, embodying and then presenting conflicts, right? Uh, if you look at any sort of, the whole Western canon of theater is around conflict. So it's um, fruitful territory, right, to, to think about conflict. Right. We're sort of experts in it in our way, although we don't think of it. Right. So when we uh, when we are in the work we do with our young people, when we're presenting scenes, creating scenes, we're always examining conflict. Right. It's it's about well, what did this person do and that person do and how did all this happen and what were the underlying motivations and how did that get voiced or expressed? And so throughout the whole year as we're creating, we're always just in a, examining conflict because that's what theater does. Right, um, that's one. Two, um, the other thing is, is that inside of that, we're presenting a conflict resolution model. Um, it's based on the work of Dudley Weeks, who wrote a great book called The Eight Essential Steps to Conflict Resolution, which if you're, if you're interested in this subject, it's, it's definitely worth reading. Um, and so we're presenting a model to our young people, uh, sort of about how to resolve conflicts. Now, here's the interesting thing about this model, right? It's not a model where I have a conflict with you, let's say, Trisha, and then we sit down and we talk about it. That, you know, that's sort of mediation, which is oftentimes confused with conflict resolution. Conflict resolution is about 
really about establishing relationships with the people in your life in a way that when conflicts come up, because they will inevitably come up, that you can resolve them. So the big shift is thinking not about conflict as an incident or event, not as a problem to be solved, but conflict resolution is about how you live in relationship to other people. And then it's about identifying with each other the needs you have, the shared needs you have in that relationship, and then asking questions that look for change, right? And then acting on the agreements that come out of that dialogue. So when we're talking to our young people, we're not saying, oh, here's how you resolve a conflict, you know, one, two, three, and everything goes away. It's really more about positioning and building relationships with the people in your life so that you can resolve the conflict you have. And that is a long-term proposition, right? That's not something you can do in an instant. It takes a lot of work. Um, it's, it's a creative act because you are taking something, either a standing relationship you have and shifting it. Or when you're building relationships, you're doing them in a way that's a little different. And um, honesty is key, right? Uh, you have to have courage. You have to be willing to uh, listen very carefully. You have to be willing to understand and withstand intense emotion because that comes up during a conflict. Um, and you have to be dedicated, right, to partnering with the other person to find the resolution. So you have to give ground sometimes, right? It's not about who's right, who's wrong. It's about your relationship with the other person. That is a Reader's Digest or Sports Center version of conflict resolution as we understand it. So in our process, the way that we uh, look at conflict resolution, in the beginning, we look at oppression as the sort of the social forces that are shaping our young people's lives, sort of the macro conflicts that exist between groups, social groups, you know, the social constructs that have divided us. We look at those, why do those conflicts exist and how, where are we at the center of it, right? Then after we've examined that, right, we're then dramatizing out of those conversations. So we're creating scenes from our lives around these issues, right? And those scenes are about conflicts. And we're, as we're presenting them, we're really looking for root causes, right? We're talking about them, right? So the whole year we're examining that in from here, it's like I described before. Then we present a model. Again, I won't get into the details because it's quite extensive, but some of what I said before references that. And then once sort of everyone's got a handle on that, then, then we go about the business of working on our show, right? So over the first three months, we're doing a lot of process work. We're building our ensemble. We're examining questions, sharing our stories. We're building scenes. But in the that's sort of the first three, four months. And then over the next three or four months, we're creating our show. Now, in the process of any creative act, there's going to be conflict. Anyone who's worked with the group knows that it happens. And in the theater, we definitely have conflicts because when you're you're creating scenes and writing scripts about conflicts, and you have in our Saturday program, there's often 70 teenagers, you're going to have conflicts. And so at that point, we're putting into practice what we've learned, right? It's sort of a test case, and it gives us an opportunity to do that in a safe space, a supportive community, where when conflicts arise, everyone's practicing it. And we make a lot of mistakes, right? Um, a, a lot of feelings get hurt, which is inevitable when you're resolving conflicts, because uh, when you have a relationship where there is conflict, there's a lot of negative feelings in there somewhere. And those have to, that's a part of the process. So over that practice, and as we move towards the show, we're resolving conflicts all the way. So we're taking the theory, putting it into practice. And then out of that, over the last month or two, the last few weeks when we're together, we're looking at transference. Okay, now that we're stepping back out into the world, out of this community, how do you do this? And I think the thing I find myself saying most is, is remember that 
it takes time, right? You're not going to sit down and have one conversation and everything's going to be okay. You have to dedicate it to the long-term proposition of resolving conflicts. And the goal is not to prevent conflicts, but to, to not keep having to resolve the same conflict, right? You want to move on to bigger and better. Actually, conflicts that are more fundamental so that you can, your relationships you have can, can be at peace, which is really the goal, right? Is to have is to be able to live at peace, to have your relationships be at peace, to be at peace yourself in the world, which is really sort of where all of that Does that I, make sense? Yeah, I really I I appreciate that because I you know, I, I'm aware that sometimes there's a tendency to be drawn to a quick fix or yeah. oversimplification. And the reality is, Absolutely. as you've painted here, it is about a long-term investment and sustaining our efforts um, to just continually improve there. So thank you so much for that. Paul, you mentioned um, earlier the podcasts that the Possibility Project has created. I'm also yep. really interested in sort of the, the digital arts and the emergence yep. Um, of, you know, podcast as this new theatrical form. Could you just touch on those projects and how, again, they amplify the values and mission of your nonprofit? Yeah, sure. So when the pandemic hit uh, in March of 2020, we had a group of young people who were about, I think about eight weeks away from premiering their original musical. And for about two or three weeks, obviously when they, New York shut down, everybody went home and we sat in our room saying, what's going on? And then we realized, oh, this is going to be two to six years before we get back to normal. That was our, our sort of read on it. So that cast, that group of young people, we said, well, we're not going to be able to do our show. You know, we don't want to chuck all the work we've done. We have something we want to say here. What if we turned it into a podcast musical? And that's what we did. And so that group took their show, rewrote it. They recorded it on Zoom from their homes. A lot of ice cream trucks and dogs barking and ambulances and other sirens in the background, right? And they recorded that show. They sang their parts. They did everything. And we released that. Uh, it took a while, right, uh, to get it recorded. Because, again, there were over, I think there were 62 young people in that cast. You can imagine. And so... Um, but we got it recorded and then it took a while in post-production and in May of 2021, we, we released that podcast, Why Love, which interestingly enough, was actually has won an Anthem Award and was nominated in scripted fiction for a, um, a Webby. And its competition was HBO and Dick Wolf Productions, right? So we were, we were both, we were surprised, really pleased and quite honored. And we didn't, you know, we were making this up as we went, right? Because we sort of, Dove in. We got some great advice from a lot of folks who um, know what they're doing, and um, and we really weren't sure, Trisha, whether or not we could we could do it. Right? We we just were like, okay, well, we know how to tell stories, but can we do it in this form? And it turns out we could. So then, what we did is, is going forward, our other two programs, and then that program, which were getting ready to start in the spring and then got delayed. We then ran those programs as a virtual program. So the process, the creative process just moved online. We had to adapt a lot of the stuff we do, uh, to, you know, to, to being on online, right? Because, you know, we're performing artists. Everything we do is physical. Everything is experiential. So we had to create a sort of virtual experience, which we did, we sort of restructured everything. And uh, subsequently, we released another podcast 
Uh, by the sec- the next year of the Saturday cast, we have a podcast being released in August called Nobody Knows But Us by one of our foster care casts. And we currently have three podcasts in post-production uh, that we'll be releasing in the fall or in early 2023. And those podcasts are basically sort of podcast versions of what we do on stage, right? They're, they're either uh, multi-protagonists where you have three to five stories interweaving between each other in a narrative voice, or um, in uh, three of them, they're sort of each episode is a single narrative, right? Where the narrator is the person telling the story and then you their story dramatized. Um, or in one of them, there's a narrator. It's a relationship between actually a, a grandparent and their child talking about the difference. It actually takes place in like 2072 or something like that. And looking back at this time, the grandparents' view and how the issues they were dealing with are similar issues. But anyways, so those podcasts are done. And I think what we learned was that, um, A, we could do it. B, our young people learned a lot. In a podcast format, you're really focused on voice. And for us, voice is essential right it's at the heart when you when you do a play you have a script and it's just text and when you embody that your voice is taking the text and putting it out in the world to create the shared experience of theater well in a podcast it's just voice and so there becomes this really really strong focus which i think has been really um how can i say Educational is the wrong word. It's been an important experience for our young people around that in a more focused way. And, and that's been really great. And I think it's expanded what we as artists and as an organization and what our young people um, uh, think of as how you can tell stories, right? You, 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 don't, you, know, you don't have to shut down because the theater is not open. There's other ways to tell stories. And in fact, and this is something our young people point out all the time, the biggest difference is you can put 600 people in a the theater, but when you put something out on the internet, it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, your audience is the world, literally the world. And that changes our focus in terms of, of well, who are, we, who are we doing this for? And so what is often a local event with sort of universal themes, this becomes a, a universal event with universal themes, which shifts everyone's perspective on it. And then, and this was the most important thing for us, was what we found is that the impact of the program in the digital space was consistent with what we were able to produce in the live space, which really was quite, and that was the most important thing. I remember when we got our first mid-year evaluation, which is where you find out, is this working because of the feedback you get? And we found out that in fact, it was working to the to such a, a tremendous degree. And I think that was particularly true when there were no other options. The community that our young people built was so important in all, in all the ways that community is important. But we were really, really pleased. And so we have done now uh, six and a half programs, you know, nine month programs virtually. And the young people in there have had a great experience and they've produced great work. I have to say, I have been incredibly impressed with their ability to perform to a mic. That's not an easy thing to do where you're looking at a script and you have a mic and you have to imagine the circumstances and you have to give emotionally. And they do it, which is just, how can I say? It's so impressive and it's so exciting to be around. 
because in you know when you're recording and it's emotionally happening it's completely riveting and uh we've had the 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 joy if you will of that experience now many many times that's that's beautiful paul like i you know again the just hearing you describe it secondhand um, you know, it kind of connects with our last question. Your website offers a timeline that all of the mm-hmm. students, all of the learners go through. And again, listeners, that link will be over there in the show notes so you could reference it. I find, you know, as an outsider looking in, looking at that timeline, what I see is this true, authentic appreciation for learner agency. And I, I'd love for you to talk more about how the Possibility Project sees young people not just as the leaders of tomorrow, right? We hear that all the time, but in the anecdotes that you're sharing, and again, in the language and the story that's told on the website, it really feels like what you are talking about is seeing young people as the capable, creative leaders right now, today, in the present. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So so first of all, there's just a lot of negativity around adolescence. most of it, and I think that's a lot of adults looking back and uh, feeling that it's unfortunate that they didn't know then what they know now, but that's that's not how it goes. And so uh, um, for us, that's very, very different, right? We think of adolescence as a time of tremendous creativity because everything's changing, right? And therefore, the creative power that young people have is what they're all about. They just don't know it. Or more importantly, I think our culture isn't structured in a way that acknowledges that and gives them opportunity to exercise it. So that's sort of the first piece of it, is just recognizing that, in fact, these young people, because of where they are in their lives, are actually really capable, particularly of creative stuff, right? Because they're seeing the world with fresh eyes, right? They're seeing problems. We're all like, oh, yeah, I figured that out a long time ago. As adults, they're seeing it new. And I think a lot of times adults say, well, we've already gone over that. And I think that's a mistake. If you listen to young people very carefully, they often bring new ideas to the table because they aren't stuck in their ways, right? It's all new for them. So that's that's a really important sort of, um, how can I say, it's sort of throwing out the assumptions around what adolescence is, right? So that's one. Um, the other is, is that, so our young people, right, um, the approach we take with them is something we refer to as the empowerment approach or agency approach, literally, um, to use the language that, that you use. That's the language we use. And the way we think of it is that um, uh, instead of telling our young people to do what to do, right, or demanding it, we partner with them and empower them to do it, right? So the phrase we use is no help, no fix, no save. You can't help fix or save young people. And so everyone's like, well, our artistic director's always like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? And the way they think of it is you partner with them, right? And once they decide what the vision is or what the solution is or the idea is, you work with them to achieve that, right? So when we think about empowering our young people too, it's not just about sort of doing that because we believe in it. We do it because it works. And the way in which it works is is really um, interesting, right? One is that empowering young people to do things rather than instructing, right, gives them control, right? They suddenly have power over what's next, right, and how it's going to go as much as any individual can, right? And in effect, you're addressing trauma in that, that instance because 
the thing that young people lose when they've experienced trauma, right, is a sense of control because this event, this intervention has sort of blown apart the idea of cause and effect because bad things can happen at any time, right? And that gets internalized. And so what young people begin to lose once they've experienced those things is a sense of control. And that's part of the reason why young people seem to be so cynical because they're like, yeah, well, only bad things are going to happen. And, and that's really not that bad things are going to happen. So that's how I feel. And the way I feel that way is because I have no say over it. So when you give young people control, when you say, what do you want to do, right? You are beginning to build the muscle again that they've lost, right? That, that That's unexercised. It's grown weak, right? Which is their ability, their sense of agency. That they can have some effect over what's going to happen next, right? So for us, that approach cuts across the whole thing. So our young people, like I said before, the production team leads the program. They write their own scripts. They decide what's important, right? When they have conflicts, they have to resolve them, right? And by the time you get towards the end of the year, you have this group of people where everyone's quite capable of, of doing what they need to do, okay? So in that way, our approach, the approach to the whole process is built around that empowerment agency. Um, and it works, right? But again, it's it's a long-term proposition. You can't do this in a minute. You can't do this in a two-hour workshop or even six four-hour workshops. It takes nine months. And oftentimes, and our young people will say this, is they don't really understand it until they've left, right? And they start to apply it and they go, oh, that's what that was. And I think we're willing to suffer the mistakes early on we're willing to deal with the long road because we know it works and because we care deeply that our young people heal and that our young people get control over their lives and that they get out there confident and are able to build the lives for themselves and the communities they live in 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 the vision or if you will in the form that they want Paul, thank you so much for describing that beautiful investment. I have no doubt listeners are going to be curious about how they might be able to support the work that you do, the work of the Possibility Project. What is the best way to connect or to offer support? Sure. So our website has a lot of information. You can you can get in touch with us there. It's www.the-possibility-project.org. You can find us on Facebook. Just look for the Possibility Project. You can find us on Instagram, Possibility Project, on Twitter, Possibility Project. We're all over those places. Um, and if you're interested in seeing some of the work, if you go to our website, uh, both of the podcasts, the music video that our Youth Justice Youth did, as well as three or four of the shows are on the website. You can watch them and you can see some of the work um, that our young people have done. And then if you're in New York City and you're listening to this, um, right now in September, we are recruiting for our Saturday program. And that program is open to any young person in New York City between the ages of 13 and 19. Um, and if you're interested, if you go to the website, you'll see the opportunity to sign up. You can be in touch with us and you will either, we'll put you on the mailing list so you get announcements or you can be in touch with us directly and we can let you know um, where the tryouts are gonna be. And uh, like I said, we don't choose anybody on the basis of talent. The tryouts are in groups. We're really not assessing on the basis of talent. We're really looking at what, uh, who needs the program and and who's who uh, can commit to the program. Um, and then if you're interested in our foster care program, those tryouts will be happening in January and February of 2023. Um, and unfortunately, our youth justice program is sort of midway through its year right now. If you're interested in that, just be in touch with us. 
um, and um, and we will respond and and let you know of opportunities. And if you want to see a show, sign up on our mailing list, and when the shows come out, you'll get a notice and come see it. Because I think if you get a chance to see the work our young people do, do and you get a chance to see what they're doing on stage, um, you uh, you will not be disappointed. What they do is incredibly powerful, and uh, it would be great to see you there. Thank you so much for sharing just a small window into the Possibility Project. All of those links, all of your social media handles, I will be sure to have those in the show notes so that folks can continue to follow along. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. You bet, Trish. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.